From B Media Production, this is B Podcasting. Engage your audience with audio communication. Hello and welcome to Episode 1. I'm Nick Schulberger, Managing Director of B Media Production. We're about to take you on a journey of discovery as we explore the huge opportunities that podcasts offer, in particular to companies looking to engage with their audience and grow their brand. But here's the question. If the opportunities are so great, why aren't more brands doing it? What's happening in this space? Who's listening? Who's already jumped the gun in the world of podcasting? And most importantly, if you're ready to get involved, how do you create really great podcasts that will make your brand stand out? For some answers, throughout this podcast series, we'll speak to the most influential podcast experts around. In this first episode, we talk to radio futurologist James Quidland about trends in how audio content is being consumed and how this relates to brands. James has highly respected views about the power of podcasts, with some very clear thoughts about what makes them work. But first, I'm joined by my co-host and podcast aficionado, Chris Ashmore. Chris, tell our listeners why we've launched this podcast and why we've launched it now. Well, thanks, Nick. Well, I suppose in a nutshell, more and more people are consuming audio content and we're seeing a stronger growth each year. Some would say exponential growth. That might be going a bit too far, but there's no doubt this growth is continuing in the podcast space. And the popularity comes down to a number of reasons. First and foremost, advances in mobile technology are allowing people to listen anywhere, anytime. We know that. We all have mobile phones. And yeah, we sure do. We know firsthand why it's so engaging for the listener. And from a business perspective, why it's so powerful for brands to get on board, they're not doing so much of that in Australia, but they are in the United States, and that's what we're always looking towards. Yeah, the trends certainly come from there, don't they? Is it true that the radio audiences are shrinking? Sometimes we hear that. Well, no, not really. Overall, radio consumption is not shrinking. And in fact, it can be argued it's, it's increasing. But the changes are in the way people are listening to radio. More people are streaming radio online and fewer are listening to the so-called wireless, mm. okay? And in fact, consuming stories, whether it's fiction or non-fiction, it's no longer confined to a page or a computer screen. Audio content is becoming much more widely accessible for those that are on the go or doing something else. So you don't have to be stationary. Yeah, I listen in the car to the majority of my podcast or, or while I'm running on a Saturday morning, so it makes sense. And that's where the research is coming out to show that. And people are listening at home while they're doing the cleaning or gardening or whatever. And all kinds of organisations are starting to realise now the power of podcasting and the ability to connect with an audience like no other media. And it's starting to gain currency with traditional media companies like newspapers and uh, magazines. They're using podcasts now to complement their own story gathering and storytelling. And we know from research that podcast listeners are loyal and engaged, they're affluent, they're highly educated, and they're frequent users of social media. And we also know consumers of podcasts more than any other medium will purchase from brands associated with their favourite podcasts. So why aren't more brands embracing the podcast revolution? Well, they are. Well, not as many as should be, 
and certainly not as many in Australia as in the United States, but the ones who are on board are using the power of audio to leverage their communications strategies. And the rewards for them are just flooding in. And that's what this podcast aims to explore. We speak with marketing teams of large and not so large companies on how they've embraced the power of audio. And we talk with advertisers and digital agencies, producers, podcasting platforms, you know, all those kinds of experts who are currently involved in the podcasting industry. And of course, we'll offer our own thoughts on the industry. We have been doing it since 1984, so we've got a little bit of experience. Those days when our branded audio content was on an audio cassette, can you believe that? So Chris, our first speaker on this important topic of podcasting is self-proclaimed radio futurologist, what a great title, James Cridland. And uh, you caught up with him to get his latest insights on the industry. Yes, James has worked in radio since 1989. Uh, He was digital media director of Virgin Radio in London, where the world's first streaming radio smartphone app was launched in 2005. In 2007, he joined the BBC to work on the BBC iPlayer for radio. So he, he knows what he's talking about. And these days, he advises and commentates on the latest trends in radio and audio content and what the future might bring for the technology being developed today. So first, I asked James if he sees podcasting as simply an extension of radio or something different enough to warrant its own category. I think any conversation about radio probably needs to start very boringly with a definition of what we mean by radio, because there are quite a few people who believe that really radio is FM or radio is AM and nothing else is radio, and I think that's very wrong. I think actually if you look at what radio is, it's a shared experience and a human connection. Uh, in terms of audio. That's what great radio ends up being, a shared experience and a human connection. And I think that podcasting is exactly that too. It's that uh, shared experience. It's that human connection of um, human voices uh, talking to you, connecting uh, with you, telling stories to you. And so I think that podcasting really is just another form of radio delivered in a slightly different way. What is the difference then? What makes a podcast different to radio and vice versa? I think fundamentally there really isn't much of a difference. It's just another delivery platform. It's another way of getting audio to people. Obviously, you have benefits of of it being on demand, so you don't have to sit next to your radio and wait until 11 o'clock in the morning when Conversations comes on. You know, you can listen to Conversations whenever you like. So you've got the benefit of, uh, of on demand there. But I think you also have benefits of specialism, allowing a community of common interest to exist rather than just a community of your local area. You know, so if you want to produce a podcast which is literally there for carp fishing, then you can produce a podcast for carp fishing and you'll get listeners who are interested in carp fishing all over the world, you know, and that's a good thing. You know, so I think podcasting really enables you to be a bit more global but also enables you to get rid of uh, what I call the tyranny of the transmitter, you know, having to await your turn on a live linear broadcast. You know, on demand is a very useful way of reaching more people. And radio is moving into the podcasting space by repurposing their shows. I mean, the ABC is doing this with a lot of their programs. Is that the way radio is going to end up? I think that what radio has done in the past is it's taken its great content and it has broadcast it once and then it's thrown it away. 
And that seems a ridiculous thing. You know, if you're there and you have some great content, make the most out of that content. Make it available in as many different ways as possible. Make sure that your audience can uh, find it and can enjoy it. Some radio stations are just purely taking a, a radio show and sticking it on as a podcast. So the ABC are doing that with a lot of their programs. Other radio stations are doing best ofs, doing a bit more of an edited job. So Hamish and Andy is a good example of that. And then you have other radio stations who are using the same technology around podcasting, so on-demand audio, but they're actually doing something far cleverer with that. So NPR is a good example of that uh, in the US. They have a little app called NPR One, and what NPR One allows you to do is really take little bits of the output of NPR radio stations and be able to produce a personalised stream just for you. So you get news that you're interested in, you get news which uh, fits your interests or, or that the algorithm thinks that you might be interested in, but you also get interesting stuff which you otherwise wouldn't have actually been able to uh, hear. So I think, you know, NPR One is a good example of taking on-demand content, taking bits of audio and producing a very personalised experience out of that. You spend a lot of your time overseas um, advising and speaking to different groups on radio and, and audio content. How does Australia's podcasting industry compare with other regions in the world? Are we far behind? I think one of the things, as you can tell, I'm, I'm a Brit, and I think one of the things that I've noticed in Australia is that there's quite a downer on Australian technology. And to me, as someone that has come into this country and that lives here now, I find that really weird. You know, Australia invented Wi-Fi. You know, Australia invented Google Maps. Australia has a tremendous history in using technology and using it really well. You know, so when you have a look at what Australia is doing in terms of podcasting, actually, Australia is doing tremendously well for a comparatively small country. There is a an astonishing amount of Australian content, uh, which is doing really well in the US, which is doing really well in the UK. Uh, there's obviously some shared culture there and some shared language. But actually, you know, Australia is doing phenomenally well. And also, when you have a look at the amount of content which is being produced in Australia, then there's some, you know, really high quality stuff there, which can hold its head up high in the global world, because, you know, it, it is great content and available globally. Do you think there's a lack of money in podcasting, particularly here in Australia? And maybe uh, there are a few advertisers that see the benefits of this kind of media. I think there's a lack of money everywhere other than in the US, actually. <laughs> um, you know, the US is an interesting market because all of a sudden you've got venture capital companies who have seen the success of uh, Serial. There's a bingo game, by the way, that whenever you start talking about podcasting, you have to mention Serial. So, so that's one drink for all of you. <laughs> um, but uh, once people saw the success of Serial, I think venture capitalists thought, we can make some money out of this and have poured money in. And so that's why you've got large companies like Gimlet, like uh, Panoply, like um, PRX, who are producing lots of amazing content and have some advertising on there for, you know, mattresses and 
you know, and um, and uh, always mattresses. Uh, things. It's always mattresses. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what the deal is with mattresses, but um, but yeah, you know, I don't think that the money has yet followed. Part of that is due to just a real lack of numbers out there, and I think that's one of the things that the ABC has actually helped the industry with by at least getting some numbers there. And uh, Omni Studio, you know, as well, doing a good job of finding some actual consumption numbers because at the end of the day, that's what advertisers think that they want, at least, is to know how many people are using podcasting, to know how many people are actually hearing those ads. You know, that's an important part of the rest of online advertising and so therefore, you know, it needs to be an important part of podcasting as well. What is it about audio content that's so attractive to advertisers? I think people have actually made the decision to listen. So it's not wallpaper. People typically are listening with um, earbuds in. So they've actually got real attention, real focus on what they're listening to. And you can't very easily, at least, turn off your ears. You know, you can't uh, very easily skip through advertising in the way that you can in the newspaper, for example. You know, when an ad comes on, particularly if it's a sponsorship message being read by the presenter that you're listening to anyway, you do actually pay notice to it. I did some research when I worked at uh, Virgin Radio in London. I did some research on what happened if you had exactly the same copy, but a presenter reading it out rather than it being read out by, you know, a silky voiceover with some music. And when a presenter reads it out, when the presenter who is on the air reads out a message then that gets three times the amount of reaction to when everything stops for a 30-second advert by somebody else. And I think that's a tremendously powerful thing. You know, so podcasting, it really is sort of word-of-mouth advertising, but it's word-of-mouth advertising, of course, you know, through a downloaded piece of audio that you've listened to. And it's a good opportunity for brands to really understand that and whether big brands in Australia do understand how effective advertising or engaging with the audience is with audio content. Yeah, I mean, I think that the opportunities for brands are very large. I think there's a caveat there that people won't deliberately seek out a podcast, which is just advertising. So, um, you know, nobody sits down and reads the yellow pages at night for fun. You know, they use that because they want to find specific advertisers. But if it's great content, if it's really interesting content, then there is absolutely no reason why that content couldn't be brought to you by a brand. So, you know, there are obvious examples here in terms of supermarkets where Coles and Woolworths will spend quite a lot of time, quite a lot of uh, money in making sure that, you know, you can have recipe books, you can have recipe magazines, you know, you can have stuff which enables you to go out and buy more groceries and buy specific foods that you otherwise wouldn't. Well, GE is one company in particular that most people know about that is doing branded podcasts. Are there likely to be other companies that do these kinds of branded podcasts? It's a very blurry distinction between out-and-out advertising and a brand-led podcast and then a sponsorship. You know, everybody has heard of MailChimp because they were the sponsor of Serial and they actually had quite a decent ad at the top of the thing. Um, but it is interesting in that you do hear presenters talk about those particular products in a very human way. You know, it does sound as if they have tried those particular products 
they've actually given them a go and they sound knowledgeable and, and enthusiastic about that. And that is a very different state from if you just sit there and you read you know, a 20-second liner about, um, you know, how good a company is. So I think once you start looking at around branded content, you know, obvious examples are things like, uh, you know, Telstra could do quite a lot of things about how to make the best out of your broadband connection or how to use your computer in a particular way or how to use mobile phones in a way. So I think there are great opportunities there that aren't over and over advertising, but that do offer something different to those that want to hear it. What do you see, James, as the biggest trends with radio and podcasting? What's the future hold? People are beginning to consume radio and radio content, audio content, like podcasting, in many different ways. And whether that happens to be on an FM radio, whether that happens to be on demand, through things like uh, the ABC radio app, through things like the other commercial radio app, or people are consuming podcasting, people are moving into a much more multi-platform world. And I think that uh, radio and podcasting is certainly going to benefit out of that. And it'll change quickly, do you think? I don't think it'll change particularly quickly. I think that radio particularly is very, very habit-driven. Typically, I'll lay a bet that the if you have a clock radio at home that wakes you up in the morning, then that device has been there for the last 5, 6, 10, 20 years. You know, we very rarely go out and buy new radios because, you know, typically radios are hidden away in parts of our house that other people don't actually see. So it's very different to uh, TV. And the amount of growth for internet audio, the amount of growth for podcasting is still quite slow. You know, if you have a look, there are brand new figures which have just come out in the UK for consumption of audio. And those brand new figures are showing that podcasting is just 2% of all audio listening, still just 2%. You know, and you you have a look at the amount of people who are using it in the UK. So 48 million people use radio every week. 4 million people use podcasting every week. So it's a slow growth. And I think that's maybe one of the problems in the US is that, you know, there is definitely a podcasting bubble going on at the moment. I just hope that the amount of listeners, the amount of consumers to podcasting begins to grow somewhere near the amount of investment that's going into podcasting. Uh, Otherwise, we'll see significant contraction over the next couple of years, and that can't be good. What advice would you give to someone or organisations looking to podcast in terms of quality of podcast? Well, I think definitely invest in the quality of your podcast. Make sure that you are producing a good product. Make it relatively timeless so that you don't necessarily have to throw away old podcasts. Um, One of the things that uh, the internet is really good at is archives. So actually make sure that you build up a great amount of programmed individual shows. You know, make sure that you do that. But I think, you know, the big change is that 10 years ago, people used to be comfortable with two people sitting around an Apple Mac. And the radio shows would sound like this because they wouldn't bother with proper microphones and everything else. Uh, And actually, none of that is really being tolerated these days. People are consuming really highly produced pieces of audio uh, now, whether that's Serial, whether that's Radiolab, whether that's This American Life, 20,000 Hertz or any of the other great pieces of audio which are available now. So if you're going to get into podcasting, do it well, invest in the podcasting, make it sound great 
and uh, make a great archive of great sounding audio that you can continue using. So what do you think makes a bad podcast? I think what makes a bad podcast is one that goes on and on and on, where people who are producing the podcast aren't respecting the audience's time. You know, at the end of the day, we've got a very finite amount of time to stick content into our ears. And if you're woolly, if you don't get to the point, if you're poorly edited, then I think, you know, audiences don't like that very much, you know. So if you're going to make a great podcast, one of the things of making a great podcast is edit it down and then edit it down again. And then if you think you've got it about the right length, then make it shorter once more. You know, people really like their time being respected, I think, you know, and so that's hugely important. Production values, production quality is, I think, becoming more and more important when people are, you know, tuning into all kinds of other podcasts that they can get. Nobody really will give you the benefit of the doubt and assume that because you've done a a relatively amateur job, well, that's okay because they're not proper podcasters. I don't think people actually really work that way anymore. That's radio futurologist James Cridland. James has a weekly newsletter on the radio industry, but not just radio. He examines new technology and platforms in the audio space from all over the world, including the podcasting space. For more, go to james.cridland.net. And James finished with a really important point about respecting an audience's time. And that raises one of the first questions we often get asked when we're talking to clients, and that's how long should a podcast be? It's a tricky question, and I want to know what you think, Chris. It is, well, how long's a piece of string? I mean, it's funny, it's a question that is often asked about podcasts, but not so often asked about the length of a book or a TV show. How long should a, a book be? I mean, it really doesn't warrant an answer. For a podcast, as long as the length is regularly consistent, and if it fits the purpose of what you're trying to deliver. See, there's two to three minute podcasts that have their place and I listen to a few of them. And in fact, James Cridland's weekly podcast is something I listen to. Weekly. Weekly, because (laughs) it's good stuff and it's succinct, but it's actually a repurposed radio segment. But he can make his point in three minutes and that's all that needs to be said. And that's all he has to say. That's right. Now, I listen to longer forms of podcasts, of course, and um, a case in point is Richard Feidler's Conversations, which runs a little over 50 minutes. Also repurposed from radio? Yes, exactly. But far too many amateur podcasts are far too long. As James says, make it as long as it absolutely has to be and then edit it down. I couldn't agree more. Yep, and then edit it down again. Well, we better keep moving because if we're going to stick to our own uh, advice about length, we should get back on track. Chris, tell me who you're speaking to on the very next episode of Be Podcasting. Well, I'm excited about the next episode, Nick, because the person we're speaking with, he's arguably America's leading commentator on the podcast industry. His name's Nick Kwa, and he's founder and writer of Hot Pod, an influential newsletter about podcasting and on-demand spoken audio. He has thousands of subscribers, including anyone who's anyone in the podcasting world reading his newsletter. So he's he's very up to date, got inside information. So in episode two, you'll hear why he thinks podcasting is valuable for brands. And here's a little snippet. This is a space in which the audience is ripe for an interaction with the advertiser. They will listen to, you know, an hour long conversation that's very compelling and you know, they would sort of stumble into the advertising experiences in a way that's meaningful to them. The second thing is also embedded to this notion of intimacy. 
the role of the host and the role of the narrator and the role of the voice is huge in the experience of podcast programming in general. And the sort of endorsement model, right? The whole thing that I think media is struggling with right now is this notion of trust and a notion of a relationship with the media source. And I think within podcasting, the existence of trust is particularly strong between listener and creator. And I think that is something that is valuable to advertisers. So that's Nick Quar on episode two. In future episodes, we speak with Corey Layton of Wooshka, Benjamin Grundy and Aaron Wright of the brilliant Mysterious Universe podcast. And we hear from the founder of the Podcast Network and presenter of the life of Caesar and other successful historical podcasts, Cameron Riley. Thanks, Chris. It sounds like you've got a good list of the uh, movers and shakers in the industry. I can't wait. And so that you don't miss out on all of this, why not subscribe to Be Podcasting in iTunes? And if you found it valuable, we'd love you to leave a review. And that ends this first episode of Be Podcasting. From all of us at Be Media Production, thanks so much for listening. Be Podcasting is produced by the team at Be Media Production. Managing Director Nick Schildberger. Executive Producer Heather Dawson. Producer Chris Ashmore. And I'm Peter Letts, Director of Audio. For more about us, go to be.com.au.